You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. And welcome to another episode of the Film Feast Podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe. Uh, and in this episode, we are discussing Bound from 1996. Uh, to help me talk about it, I'm joined by one of my favorite people to talk movies with. Uh, she is the host of the Schlock and Awe Podcast. It's Lindsay Wilkins. Lindsay, how are you doing? Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's good. I'm very excited to talk to you because it, it hasn't been that long, but it feels like a while. So it's nice to talk to you again. <laughs> No, it feels like it's too, too long. Like we always have like an almost like an hour catch up before we start actually properly recording because um, it feels like it's way too long before we, before we, uh, between um, conversations. So it's, uh, it's always really nice to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. We talk off the mic. It's a big, <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's gets on here and he's like, all right, Matt, talk. And I don't want to talk to you outside of this podcast. <laughs> Business like, only. Recording. Business recording. only. We're recording. <laughs> don't speak to me. Don't Sometimes speak to me. Go- like a star who's like no eye contact like you know <laughs> no no if you get into matt's eye line it is atrocious he will go for christian bale on you it's just, really insane I just start screaming <laughs> i'm a real prima donna that's why I've, i told ken walker texas ranger as he has to be called now because chris said that uh i always tell ken it'd be funny if he went on other people's podcast and and like was like oh yeah matt's a monster behind the scenes <laughs> like i don't know why it's so funny to me because probably because it's very much not true <laughs> but i'm like you just don't tell people like oh matt's a real diva behind the scenes <laughs> like, has to be perfect retakes i mean seriously yeah. <laughs> i mean this is like the third time we're doing this podcast to be honest <laughs> Oh boy. Oh no, this is fun. So yeah, it's funny because we're talking about Bound, which we'll get it, we'll obviously get into it. Um, but a movie I just watched for the first time a couple of weeks ago and <laughs> was yep. like, I need to do a podcast, this movie, which is the fun part of having a movie podcast because you can just yeah. watch something and not plan to talk about Bound. It, it, it's very funny. It's the first uh, Wachowski movie I'm doing a whole episode on. I talked about The Matrix because it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but mm. to do, I didn't expect this basically. Bound really came out of nowhere and surprised me. Um, and it's noir member still, so uh, it's a neo noir. It seemed like a good time to do it, and I look I, like I do now. I stalk the letterbox. I see who likes Bound, <laughs> and I was like, oh, Lindsay likes Bound. Perfect. Okay, and then uh, so here we are. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I like Bound, and I was really excited when you sort of asked, hey, do you want to come talk about Bound? Because I know how big a Matrix guy you are, and it would be just a fascinating to get your take on their first movie um, that they made, and just for you to sort of go. Oh yeah, I was so I was really looking forward to this conversation for that specific reason, just because I know that you are a big Wachowski guy, especially probably even a big Matrix Wachowski guy. So um, no, this is going to be great. Yes, absolutely. So, but w- before we get to that, uh, I will ask you, uh, what have you seen lately? How is your Noir Vember going? How's your Sad Vember going? As Anthony <laughs> Anthony King has just dubbed it, a Sad Vember. <laughs> 
November's been going well. I kind of combined the two actually with the November and the Sad November by uh, watching um, The Eyes of Laura Mars, um, which is a kind of a Jalo-esque by Irvin Kershner of all people. Uh, I shouldn't say that because he did actually make um, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. RoboCop 2. Yes, he did. (laughs) Almost more important. And and, um, oh, what's the, with the Kathleen Turner, the body, sweetie Florida movie, I'm blanking. He made Body Heat, is that? He made body heat. So oh, I, I didn't know. Too... I forgot he yeah. made body heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of thing. But um, if you want to combine your November with your sad November, that the eyes of <laughs> uh, Laura Mars is that because it was played as a trailer before when I saw last night in Soho, which I'll touch on as well. Um, and so I thought, oh, yeah, I really want to see, finally see um, Eyes of Laura Mars. And it's weird because Irvin Gershner tries to class up a Jalo and you're sort of watching it going, this is far too classy. This is in New York in 1978, 79, guys. Come on. <laughs> these movies are meant to be sleazy um but it's really i mean it's got the most amazing cast i mean it's got you know uh faye dunaway who's being amazing as always um and then you've got but you've got the likes of Tommy lee jones um a young brad and scruffy very brad dorif um raul julia and renee Andrebene- i'm mispronouncing his name i always knew him on like on star trek um but he pops up everywhere he's so 70s and always got an unlit cigarette in his mouth and he's i don't know this movie just for the cast is actually really great and it is very sad as well as being um kind of a neon noir giallo kind of movie so um you can combine the two <laughs> especially <laughs> at the end when you realize I, where the movie's going you're like oh that's actually kind of sad <laughs> yeah a, a movie i actually own on blu-ray because i think i got it very cheap or something and uh written by john carpenter too right that blew my mind like i was i had to rewind it and pause it to go what the john carpenter he actually wrote the spec script they changed a lot of it um reading about it but yeah he had his hand on hands kind of over that i'm like going he said he never saw a jalo movie before making halloween and but he wrote this movie mm, mm, i think he may have seen may have seen some jalo interesting i should <laughs> yes i should watch it it's uh it's again it's been sitting on my shelf for a while i i don't know why i haven't uh i, I guess i'm in the mood i have no idea but I, I will have to check it out also just so the internet does not come free to one of us body heat was actually directed by lawrence kasdan i just looked at that lawrence Kas- sorry yes lawrence okay. kasdan yes <laughs> i just was like wait a minute and i looked at body heat i was like oh yeah okay lawrence kasdan i i think there's a star wars connection that was there. gonna say i think he wrote star- he was one of the writers on empire strikes back i knew there was a weird there's got to be a weird connection between the the two um but yes, me blanking on yep. names and movies um is no surprise if you've ever listened to shock and i'm suddenly going oh, <laughs> what is that guy's name the really obvious one they're all screaming at me so yeah that's <laughs> no worries i i will check that out eventually it's it it's so it's more of a uh jello noir sad thriller is that what yeah it? it's it's pretty much that it's about what she's a photographer a very kind of audacious likes kind of very violent sort of uh, uh, sexy kind of woman in lingerie beating each other up imagery. Um, but the reason why she's kind of making these images is because she can see a murder. She can see through the point of view of a murderer who's stalking people in New York. So it's kind of, so it can be a bit dipping out a bit slow. I think the pacing's not quite there because you don't have the kind of the music or the, the, at oh, the mm-hmm. usual atmosphere, but you do have a lot of, 1970s hallways which I kind of love um but it's so she's seeing the point of view of an actual killer and that's kind of where she's getting her inspiration from which where the giallo aspect I guess comes in 
Um, and then all of a sudden you have Tommy Lee Jones, who's a cop who's investigating it and kind of wondering why these murder scenes are showing up in her artwork. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got a really, so that's kind of where the giallo comes in because you see like the hands and the, the POV. Um, so, I mean, it's called an American giallo. I don't even know if that was, uh, if Irvin Kirshner was, that was his, um, thing of, oh, I'm going to make this into a giallo because that's what's kind of they're being, make, being made in Europe. Or if John Carpenter kind of had this idea and then that kind of went on, on from there. But, um, no, I would say it's definitely worth a watch. It's not amazing amazing like it's you do notice the slow parts and then Brad Dorf will come out with all this hair and you're like going oh my god (laughs) um so yeah to watch it for the cast is absolutely yeah that's the reason why you watch this movie yeah okay um what else have you seen lately um I have also seen because Melvin has opened up and I can now go to the movies I have been going to the movies a lot so I got to see yes very exciting um I did see the uh the um, Last Night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright, um, which I think the more I think about it, the more I love. Um, it, this is not a movie that, because they keep saying this is a shallow. I would actually, to get, speaking of Twitter coming for us, um, I would say <laughs> Malignant is more of a shallow than Last Night in Soho. Yeah, I'd I would say. I would agree. It was like people saw like bright colors and they were like, Jello. I was like, no, no, no. Like, no, 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 no. This is this is Brian De Palma and a ghost story. This is not. Yeah. This is not Jello. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I actually really like it. Even though I know I walked out of the theater going, huh, um, a lot. Um, but the more I think, what this movie does, I think it catches that first time you move away from home to a different place. Um, I was eighteen when I moved out of home and I went away to university. Um. And because I thought that would be a great idea. Um, And it really sort of captures that, oh, this is not meeting my expectations or this, the real world is much messy, dirty and complicated than, and that kind of dealing with that when you are so young. Um, And I think Edgar Wright managed to capture that moving to the big city when you probably should have waited two or three years before moving to the big city kind of thing. Um, and so I kind of love it for that. I think she really captures that. Like when I moved to the bigger city, I'm not a small town person, but New Zealand, it kind of felt like it. So when I moved to the big city, it was kind of like, all these dreams are going to come true. This is going to be amazing. I'm living in Wellington. It's going to be great. And same thing when I moved to Melbourne. So um, that's what I love about this movie. I think he captures that that kind of feeling of you just being in a big city on your own absolutely perfectly um but no i i really did love it and i don't want to say anything else because this movie has massive spoilers and i think it would ruin it if i touched on anything else <laughs> yeah it, uh i'm glad you brought it up because i realized I was like, oh i really haven't talked about this on any podcast yet um mm. i saw it uh now it's probably been a while when this episode comes out but uh when it first mm. came out and mm. I, I really liked it too um i i mm, i wrestled with <laughs> yes the, <laughs> i wrestled with the ending Yes, me too. I, that's a conversation we can't have here because it'd be just no. spoiler filled. But uh, I, I'm, I, I think I've, I'm liking it more the more I get actually away from it, which is good. Uh, but yeah. I, I have, you know, it's, it's a little messy, but I think that's kind oh, of yes. part of the design. Um, yes. I love, you know, the look of it. I thought the cast was all really good. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie, uh, mm-hmm. the main, the, you know, the main girl who is, it's funny how, I love what he's kind of saying about how people romanticize nostalgia of the past and like yes it can be a little 
the reality is not as rosy as, you know, it's like, oh, I like 60s music and movies, but oh, it's like, oh, it's, you know, like now she's in the 60s. It's like, oh, okay, that's not, uh, things weren't so great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Living um, in the, yeah, watching a movie from the 60s is great. Living in the 60s may not have <laughs> might been not as, be so great. It, yeah. It may not be so great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting movie. I am surprised that so many people were kind of like dumping on it. I, like, you know, yeah, I, I was like, huh. <laughs> no, I think the ending, because everyone I talked to after that screening was the exact same way. They were like, it's messy. Yet Edgar Wright's trying to do Edgar Wright and tie everything together. And then I was talking to Daniel, like, I need to talk about this movie. And he was like, going, but yeah. So what I'm like, but the ending, he's like, yeah, the, the ending makes sense. I'm like, I know it makes sense, but it's, it's, I don't, what? <laughs> I, I didn't know how to articulate it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's um speaking of daniel daniel epler of of cobwebs and it's just this kind of yeah it's you don't expect to walk into an edgar wright movie and then walk out going huh um because he's so and this movie's upfront with its references i think he's very upfront with the way he's moving the camera and all that kind of thing but the way the movie ends and the kind of questions it's posing and kind of when you realize which maybe point of view you're actually seeing, I think you took sort of walking away going, I'm not sure how I felt, felt about that. I'm not sure exactly what, how, I need to watch it again to sort of get exactly um, Thomas and Mackenzie's kind of her, I think she's amazing in it, um, her kind of her reactions and what she's actually reacting to more than mm -hmm. anything else. I don't know. There's a lot of fascinating things about it. And I know it's a movie I'm just going to keep going back to because I just need to, I'm not used to not nailing down a Edgar Wright movie straight away. Like it's usually just all there. I'm like, yeah, hot fuzz, the world's end. Even right. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim, I'm like, I know exactly what you're doing. This one, I'm like going, I, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, I that's I'm more can, kind of confused at what they're trying to say at the end. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're really talking around it. That's okay. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. I uh, no. I I think it's I see criticism of Thomas and McKenzie's performance. I thought she was so good at playing like wide eyed girl from the small town coast to the big city. Like I thought she yeah. was so good at that. About like she seemed so genuinely like you know excited to be there and then overwhelmed by being there it's and being yeah. moving to a different place when you're on your own and no support network even though you do have a support network but they're miles away um is a terrifying thing and yeah you do feel like you are losing your mind occasionally even though you're not you're just in this different environment with all these elements you didn't expect whether it's your classmates whether it's the living situation you're in whether it's thinking a place is going to be one thing and then finding it's not and then learning the to accept it for what it is as well as what it could be the kind of that balance I think she did I love her in this movie I think um I mean the moment with the scissors is just so goddamn great um oh, yeah. <laughs> and the library oh my god um so all that I, I I get it um I maybe in terms of what she's actually going through I think you meant to question though I never completely questioned it um mm -hmm. maybe that maybe Edgar I wanted me to but <laughs> I I really liked it I'm like going yeah this was me at 18 I I completely get this <laughs> yeah I uh it's I and I've thought about it more than most of the movies this year which is always a yeah, good me sign. Too. like yeah. you know it's like it hasn't left my mind really yet so um I'm excited to rewatch it and kind of get I have a perspective on it now you know at first I didn't know where it was going now I kind of know what 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 it's doing and I'm like oh okay now I 
kind of get the game you're playing so I can kind of watch it a little more clearly, I think. So, yes, uh, yes. But I mean, it's, you know, I appreciate it's original and I thought about it a lot. So I really did like it. I just, there's some things I kind of wrestled with, but yeah, you know, I really, I did enjoy it overall. Um, yeah, me too. Um, the one movie I'll just mention that I finally got to watch that a movie I've also been thinking about a lot is of course Peg. Now this came out long, long time ago, but I just got to finally got to watch it. And um, God damn, Pig is good. <laughs> <laughs> Pig's so good. So good. Well, I'm uh, to the game. Yes, I agree. Pig is good. But, another movie um, I haven't thought, stopped thinking about like this whole year <laughs> since I saw it. It's it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> just the way he kind of treats Portland. I mean, it's a city I've never been to, but you can kind of tell that this isn't Portland, but it's the underground's like, I love how Nicolas Cage is almost like the ghost of Christmas past. Like, he knows where all the bodies are buried in Portland. And so every time he meets someone, everyone's just like, going, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you, knew, you knew me before this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> like, I've not been to Portland either, but I've heard a lot of things about how, like, Portland is, like, a very much a, like, kind of hipster city. Like, very, yes. like you know everybody's kind of um oh, what's the word <laughs> kind of you know being very on trend I think I yes don't know very trendy even... yeah, yeah that's the so yeah that's what I've heard and uh it captures that really well Nicolas Cage is amazing and I thought oh. he's so good in that movie same with Alex Wolf I mean they're bringing so completely two different energies to to the thing I mean Nicholas Wolf is trying to be his best to be this is what I am, that I am, I am Portland. And then Nicholas Cage is like, God damn it. I've worked in Portland 10 years for like decades ago. I know what this city is. Like he's kind of like the old frontiersman at the beginning. And then he has to go back to the city. And he's just like, didn't you just want to open a pub? I mean, <laughs> the pubs aren't cool. And I'm like, God damn it. I'd love, pu- I love pubs. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's um, I could spend all day in a pub, um, but it's, it's kind of that. Yeah. No, it's just a really great movie. Um, and it's, yeah, that and Last Night in Soho are kind of the two newer movies I've seen where I just cannot stop thinking about them. And I can't wait to rewatch them because I think they're doing so much about kind of how a city works. And they're, but they're both two very different representations of that. But um, no, that, that that's what I've been watching lately. So. <laughs> cool. Very cool. You brought it to my favorite movies of the year with Last Night in Soho ah. and Pig. So yeah, that I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'll do a top 10 at some point on this. I have an episode planned. I don't know where they'll land. I'm, I think they'll both be on there unless a couple things come along and like blow things off the list. But so far, two of my favorite movies I've seen this whole year. So yeah. Yes. Yes. Because um, you got to remember House of Gucci is coming out. Uh, technically, that's the first of uh, first of January, but I always count the first of January movie as a, as a the year before movie. And we have true. that movie coming up. <laughs> and I feel like usually, I hate when they do this though, because they do this thing I feel like will they'll, where they will put out a movie in limited release, like, December yes. 20th. They, they did that with Little Woman. Yeah. They, I yeah. And then it's like Woman everywhere January 1st. It's like, God damn it. It's like, put it out sooner <laughs> so I can see it for my best. And it would still count as a 2021 movie. It's just like, I want to see it sooner. So I think yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza might be like that, where it's a. Yes. Yeah. Like coming out before Christmas or, but you can't see yes, it if you don't yeah, live in New York or LA. Ex- yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I live in Melbourne. So I'm generally lucky. Like, I can usually worm my way into one of those kind of screenings because. I don't know. I guess uh, Melbourne is the New York of Australia and Sydney's the LA, but um, I can usually kind of wear my way into one. Um, and yeah, there's House of Gucci, there's Licorice Pizza. And I think, no, I think French Dispatch is coming out a little sooner, the end of, toward the end of this month. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just like, I always have my favorites of the year. And then that first of January when I'm looking at House of Gucci going, you're going to be a mess, but I got a sneaky suspicion I'm going to love you. So. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I'm curious about that one. I still haven't seen Ridley Scott's other movie, Last Duel, which I feel bad. It's actually really, I like it. Bombed it. I here, think, so yeah, it's like oh, it bombed hard here as well, considering okay, they yeah. tried to yeah. But um, I like it a bit more than other people. Let's just say that I think um, Matt Damon's performance is inspired because I think he is meant to be an oaf. I don't think you're meant to like root for any of the guys in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, and the fact that Ben Affleck keeps giving Matt Damon shit and both are wearing terrible wigs. I'm just like, I am here for it. <laughs> I, I want to see it. I just didn't, I didn't make it out. October was it's a very a busy month. Movie. Yeah. yeah, it is a busy month. It's a long movie. Um, you are going back to gladiator territory. I mean, the fact that Matt Damon, Damon doesn't scream, are you, are you not entertained? I am. <laughs> and the movie is dealing with some actually really hard, big themes that I'm not entirely sure he's right. the best person to talk about it, especially sexual assault. But I think everything around it and the trappings and the campiness I and the over-the-top dramaticness of it, I am all for. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, if you have anything else, if you have anything else to talk about, I have some. Uh, speaking of no, over-the-top dramatic yeah. stuff, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this, that Sylvester Stallone has gone back and done a director's cut of Rocky <laughs> Four, which... Did, did, did you see it with Ken? Ken Walker? Oh, yeah. Ken, <laughs> I was going to say, I had to see it with Ken Walker because... Uh, <laughs> My God, that man loves Rocky oh, loves and Rocky. Sylvester yeah. Stallone so much. And I was like, Ken, it's one night in theaters only. It's going to, funny thing is by now it's, it's on demand. You could rent it digitally everywhere. Oh, pretty yeah. sure. Okay. Um, yeah. But we, I was like, let's go to the theater and see it. It feels, mm. I love Rocky four. Let me just say, I, I hate people shit on Rocky four. I, I think it's so much fun. Like uh, this is, this is probably gonna get me a lot of heat. My two favorite Rocky movies are Rocky three and four. <laughs> uh, no, those are, completely respectable i actually think i enjoy those more than the original okay um, i'm not alone i feel better <laughs> you're not alone um i think rocky four is almost pure cinema because i think if you're going yes. back to yeah. um it's i mean yes it is 70 percent montages but if you're going back to um like i've always said you could pair it with uh i uh einstein's uh, russian director's battleship patinkin which is also 70% montages. And he invented that kind of montage. So I think, and the fact that it's, you know, against Drago and and, and the Soviet Union, um, it's like the birth of the Soviet Union and the end of the Soviet Union, because Rocky went over there and ended the Cold War, as we all know is history. Yes. Um, historical fact, yes. <laughs> historical <laughs> fact. <laughs> it's, so, so the director's cut's out now. Uh, yes. So and, how was the director's cut? It's interesting it's an interesting experiment i yeah. don't really need it going forward like i'm gonna keep watching the original rocky four because yeah. listen to me it's unforgivable he cut the robot out of this new that's rocky what four. i heard and i was not impressed <laughs> like how dare you cut that robot out? who is the- i mean put that was paulie's best friend come on have some respect <laughs> maybe more than paulie's best friend i think there was some romantic going on with paulie <laughs> and that robot i've me and ken joke all the time about paulie and his sex robot <laughs> something weird's going on there. yeah he really does love that robot. He loves that robot. And then it's so funny because Stallone goes so far to cut out like any scene that the robots even in the like the background did. So, oh. so it's like there's a whole like there's a part, you know, his son's watching him in America and the robots like in the background. That's all gone. Uh, there was a scene where Polly's like getting ready to leave for Russia. Uh, that's all gone because the robot was in the background. <laughs> like oh. uh, Polly's birthday party gone. Like all Anytime the robot, apparently Stone hates the robot. I don't know. There was a Q&A with Stallone and Ben Makowitz from Turner Classic Movies before the movie, which I didn't know was even going to happen, yeah. um, that we got to watch in the theater. 
Uh, and so the way Stallone was talking about this new version of Rocky Four, I was expecting a like radically different movie. And I was getting a little worried. I was like, oh my God, is he going to cut those montage? He can't. <laughs> but then, it, no. <laughs> yeah. But then once that. it's hard, I was like, wait, there's no movie if he cuts the montage. <laughs> the movie's <laughs> 40 minutes long if he gets rid of the montages. So uh-huh. um, yeah. still there. The beginning is more radically different than like the first half is more different than the second half. The first half, it he tries to add more like human moments in which is nice, like more stuff for Adrian. Um, yeah. More stuff mm-hmm. with Rocky and Apollo before the fight, um, which is all fine and good. Uh, but I think like Rocky Four, like I said, pure cinema because it it's, listen, it sounds and images and it moves like a bullet. Like it like it does not slow down for anything. Nope. I think the pacing's a little wonky with this new cut because it's like, mm. I may be too used to the original cut. I don't know. But it's like, the things are a little weird. There's some awkward editing, like, you kind of don't know how you got from one place to the other because like, you know, someone's kind of cutting around it. Um, it's just, it's a little weird. I mean, it's interesting. I don't think it's any better. It's definitely not better. I don't really think it's that much worse because like the second half to me felt like very much the same movie. I mean, you get that whole, mm. listen, it was thrilling to watch the No Easy Way Out montage and the Hearts on Fire montage in a theater. I want to like <laughs> run up the stairs and just yell Draco at people. But I was yeah. like- with like theater sound on a big screen i was like yes like it's yes. Like, so pumped up um i did i know i love rocky four this is i mean it's a curiosity that's like worth seeing i think if you love rocky four mm. like i do but i you know after this one viewing i'm like okay i'll just go i'll keep my rocky four you know <laughs> so it's it's interesting yeah <laughs> it would yeah it sounds like a curiosity i haven't seen it but i do love rocky four just because of purely everything you said like it's just visuals and music and <laughs> telling a story with those elements which is kind of what pure cinema is and yes it is a lot of montages like i think i saw rocky four after i saw the south park episode where they were actually showing actual footage oh, i'm yeah. like that's not from a movie and they went no that's from rocky four and i went get out and then when i saw it i'm like oh no i understand what he's doing there's a very specific style he's 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 using with it um and it's yeah no so i will probably watch it the thing eventually but if it's got no robot in it i'm like what are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought I mean, it was like Candace saying i got no robot i don't know if i want any part of it but we went and uh i was yeah i was i think it's funny maybe because my expectations were set for a radically different movie because he was, and, yeah, and it wasn't that different. I mean, it's different, but it's not like I, I don't know what I expected. I was like, oh my god, what is someone do to this movie? But he did it. He didn't completely change it. He just tinkered with it. You know, I guess he was talking about how he was like he had a movie that stopped production because of COVID, and then he's like, well, what can I do? And he went back and had like he he was going through ideas and somehow landed on Rocky Four and. um that's where he landed spent like nine months tinkering with it. it was supposed to be like a month and he spent nine months working on it or something so uh, uh stallone's uh covid project i love it no yeah. it's no he's whatever you want to say about stallone this is a guy that always wants to create whether yeah, yeah. it's dtv or something you can kind of tell he's always giving 100 and he's always giving himself um to it with it whatever the production is and so for him having to stop during covid i could just imagine him just looking around the room going Okay, I'm going to re-edit Rocky Four. <laughs> yeah, he's not the kind of guy who seems like he wants to stop for anything. Like, he'd no. always be doing something, like, working yeah. on something. Like, he would never retire, probably. Mm. Um, so, you know, good for him. But I, it's yeah. like, this is fine. It's a, it's a curiosity. That's that's what I think of it. Yeah. Um, and, okay, moving on, something that I liked, that I probably one of the, my favorite movies of the year, too, that I'm going to bring up, and the mm. one of the best action movies of the year, hands down, one shot with, uh, uh, oh, my God, Scott Atkins. I was like... <laughs> Oh my God, Mike's gonna kill me. 
and the, like, oh no you cannot he i mean the amount of times i imagine um is he is uh mike listening to a podcast throwing his screen across the room swearing and poor kelsey going where are you going and mike's like i have to buy a goddamn new computer screen yeah um <laughs> no i just like, stared at my phone and i was like <laughs> i know this man's name i've it's got atkins but i just like completely I, blank- I want to call him like some other, I don't know what I was going to call him, but I was like, no, that's not right. Uh, one shot with Scott Atkins. Uh, it's amazing. It's, I am looking forward to this. There's two action movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, not yet. There's two movie action movies I'm dying to see. They just haven't come over here yet that I've seen. And that's Raging Fire and that's One Shot. Um, you don't. Oh, I want to see Raging Fire too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When Mike gets very specifically excited about something, you know, oh, it's yeah. going to be. <laughs> something um because it whether how the action moves or it's something kinetic um so i'm really looking forward to seeing seeing one shot i didn't know it was actually a one shot movie <laughs> and um, it's not and mike has been very he, he yeah. wants to mention this too that it's not a true oh no because it cats is like 1917 like you can see where the yeah. cats are and, yeah but this is honestly this is one of the best movies to do this gimmick where i really can't see the cuts i saw oh wow maybe yeah. like two times i could tell that they had an edit and i was you stop looking for it for a while too because the movie's so good you kind of yeah i don't want to play that game with the movie where i'm like looking the the 1917 edits i thought were way more obvious than the edits in one i shot. was looking for them <laughs> until i got distracted by what deacons was doing if he was doing anything yeah. with fire <laughs> i got distracted and i didn't notice the cut it's a great looking movie i haven't watched this it's in a, theater but... neither have i but i was being an <laughs> asshole with it well i was purposely going okay we, okay there's a cut I know it's yeah yeah and I, I was, was being a bit of an asshole with it <laughs> it's hard not to play that game with these movies it, which yeah. is why I think it's kind of a a gimmick you don't want to employ that much because then you distract the audience with like you know then they're looking for the cuts which you don't want and I genuinely like after maybe 20 minutes of one shot I gave up because I wasn't even I wasn't seeing them anyway <laughs> and the movie was so good I was like I don't care where the cuts are this is great yeah um it moves so well it's seamless the action is really good um it's it's yeah it's great scott atkins it's like one of the best things i've seen him do um wow yeah i mean i love like avengement he's great in i saw accident man he's great in that um he's really good in this uh i mean very basic story but like it's so well made and the action is so good that you know because it's it's like scott atkins and his team go to this uh military prison to get escort a prisoner and Mm -hmm shit goes sideways real fast and terrorists show up and uh and they have to basically it's a siege movie they have to like defend themselves defend the prisoner um and it it's so compelling like you get so sucked into it um like i said you just forget about the whole the cuts i mean it's like it's so it's also impressive but like i i definitely gave up on that whole like i'm looking for where the cuts are you know because i was so it's a very tense movie too like it it's very compelling very tense um Atkins is great at the action, obviously. He has a scene near the end that's like, it doesn't really involve action. I try not to spoil anything, but it's a, it's him trying to basically diffuse the situation between two people. And uh, I was like, well, this is great. Like, this is one, <laughs> like, it's so tense. It's like, you don't, it's, oh man, it's good. It's one of my favorite things of the year. Definitely one of the best action movies of the year, like hands down. Um, and I was a little worried because I felt like I've been hyped up a lot. And by people, people I trust though, but I was like, it's like all the guys on action Twitter that I, that I trust their opinions. I was like, oh guys, you've really hyped this up for me, but it, it did not let me down at all. And uh, I know Mike did great coverage for like a whole week on his podcast, Atkinson Disputed about one shot and everyone chills into that too. Um, 
yeah, it's it's really good. So I hope you get to see it soon. <laughs> no, because I did see the trailer and it doesn't actually convey that it's a one-shot movie. Like with 1917, they were like screaming it from the rooftops. Right. Oh, you, <laughs> this is what this movie is. And I was kind of underwhelmed by the trailer. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's military prison. We've been here before. Do I really want this movie in 2021? And then I heard Mike talking about it. I'm like, well, he's he loves Scott Atkins. He talks to him, but he's usually pretty fair when there's a movie of his he doesn't like. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden I could tell he was bursting at the seams to talk about this movie after um before the embargo. And I'm like going, Oh, he likes this movie. And then when he got a chance, he was just like going, This movie is awesome. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, maybe it is worth a watch. And then I'll just chat out his um Action for Everyone podcast with him, Liam and um Vice is just oh yeah, so yeah. good. Um, it's making me a bigger action, like just knowing Mike is, and um Rob has just made me a bigger action fan. Now I'm just like going, Yeah, no, I know action. I don't, I, I don't know how to talk about <laughs> it, but I think I like to, um, kind of thing. But no, it's um I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah, I hope I didn't help I hope I didn't hype it up too much, but I think it's really it really is good, it lives up to all the praise that it got, honestly. Yeah. So um <laughs> it's really good. Uh and kind of keeping in that same vein, funny enough, I didn't really plan to do this, and this was like a week apart, but I watched uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Oh, what is, what is, is it your first time watching it? First time watching it because I was like going through, as I joke about, the never ending watch list on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm embarrassed to even say the number anymore. It's like it's an insane <laughs> number of movies, but I'll just scroll through there sometimes and I'm like, what looks interesting or what pops out? And like, I was scrolling through, I didn't get that far, and then Rope popped up. And I was like, and somebody mentioned it on a podcast recently. Um, it may have, may have been the James Bond screen draft episode. Maybe um someone yeah someone did talk yeah they were talking about in terms of rock with Russia with love because rope against going back to well it's not really one shot but it's all kind of set it's almost like a real time movie and Hitchcock does these very very long shots which he will cut together but apparently it was a nightmare to shoot because the <laughs> actors weren't used to doing like 15 right. blocks of, of shooting which he was making them do um but um sorry before I go into my rope spiel what did you think of it (laughs) you're fine uh no it's it's very interesting and it's funny um and it's really unfair to compare a movie made in 1947 or 48 I'm not sure when it was actually made but uh to a movie now like in one shot I was saying I couldn't tell where the edits were like the edits were very very clear and rope um which is not not I'm trying to like you know be a negative or complain or be a nitpick Mm. but it was interesting I'm like because he just will like push into somebody's back, you know? Yes, he like, would, yeah. Or the window it, or something. Yeah, you could always tell. <laughs> technical limitations. I mean, it's like, it's still a... It, okay, so I liked Rope. I think mm. people like it way more than me. I think I was more looking at it as like, oh, this is an interesting experiment. Um, but like, uh, I mean, Jimmy Stewart's really good. He has a great speech monologue kind of near the end mm. uh, where he really delivers it. I'm like, oh, he's really like, earn the paycheck on that one <laughs> you know it's like oh yeah because he's not he's in the movie he comes to the movie a little later but then he's in the, in the movie for the rest of it but um yeah. does a good job with that uh i believe farley granger is the two of is the one of the two guys that is like freaking yes. out from minute mm. one like he is yes. the guy that is about to crack any moment he's, he's like oh my god what have we done and yeah. now we're <laughs> having his body underneath where the um snacks are this is this is not a good idea the other guy is like all for it um it's brilliant we can just talk about him this is funeral i know it's Um, very it's i thought it i thought it was interesting how much it has a say and i feel like it's more uh, it's more resonant now about like how upper class people think they can get away with anything or they're like untouchable is what i feel Mm -hmm. like it's really getting at um you know so i mean it's interesting i think i just was kind of more looking at it as a 
interesting experiment than getting super into it. But I think if I watch it again, I could get probably past that little stuff and just enjoy the movie more. I mean, I liked it a lot. I did, but it's like, you know, it's just kind of a, uh, it's interesting more than I like, oh, I love this. I just thought this was really good and it was a cool experiment, you know? No, that's how I first saw it when I watched it. And I think maybe even Hitchcock felt that way because he would do that occasionally. He'd make like three or four very Hitchcockian movies that would please everyone and then he'd make a rope or a psycho. And everyone would just go, huh. Um, and those ones would usually, I think rope worked. Um, but it's, you know, it's a fascinating experiment because I think he wanted to see if he could actually pull it off and plus it was a stage play so he was like okay how do I make this interesting um (laughs) I will treat it like the stage play and it's but yeah get those kind of fluid kind of camera movements it's yeah no I think I when the second time I watched it I was able to enjoy it more as a movie and just enjoy the performances especially from Mm -hmm. uh, James Stewart who's incredible in it um I think as soon as he walks in the movie changes he's one of those characters you think this is one movie he walks in and it's not a different, it's a different movie. And those boys are now just like, oh, we might not actually get away with this. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, but I think it's not my, uh, my Hitchcock's change, but I don't think it's my favorite Hitchcock, but I think it's a really fascinating, fascinating movie. And I can yeah. see why it would be someone's favorite Hitchcock. Like you're just looking at that going, oh, the every, cause it's got a lot of things going on in this very small space. Yeah. And I did read, I think you brought it up. Like I read somewhere that, Hitchcock even did say that he was like, oh, that was just a fun experiment. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. like it was like, I'm just goofing around, like seeing what I can do. Cause it's like eight, 10 minute takes basically. Yes. Cause I think they couldn't record more than like 10 ish minutes at a unbroken no, at that, a time. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much why it's just, they had a certain amount of film that they could use. Yeah. And yeah, Hitchcock, I think I read the same thing was like, yeah, I just wanted to see if I could do it. I think it would be a fun <laughs> yeah, experiment. Like, just- um, and he didn't really care if his actors were finding it excruciating and annoying. <laughs> um, I was thinking like, this must have been so painful to shoot for the actors because, first of all, they're probably like, what are we doing? We're doing, what like, are, we, yeah. are we doing a play? What? Um, right. No, but you need to, yeah, it's, um, no, you're not doing a play. You're doing a movie. And I'm, yeah, I'm still Hitchcock and I'm going to be Hitchcock. It's, um, oh, yeah, it's, no, no, it's, I think it keeps saying it's a fascinating movie and I do love all the performances in it. I think everyone is pitch perfect um, because they, you can tell like they are treating it as if they are on stage. They're not movie acting, they're theater acting. And I think because they didn't, wouldn't have necessarily known how to do anything different. And I think there's a nice contrast with, with that. I, Cause now you do a one shot, you know, oh, if you're doing like a one shot style movie, you know how to you know how it kind of works actors know kind of how it works especially with exactly hitting your marks in certain places like more than anything else um because movies is all about hitting a mark but with this one they don't quite know <laughs> yet right. so like oh i'm in the stage i'm on a stage i'm i'm on i'm doing a, a stage play <laughs> yeah yeah and it's one of those things where I, I kept thinking like oh i bet the behind the scenes of this would be almost more fascinating than the movie <laughs> like the making of <laughs> yes um, yeah most Hitchcocks are like that I think because <laughs> <laughs> it was there were some really like, interesting stories about rope where you know they like uh doing these long takes and everyone's trying to be perfect because she one little thing and throw it out of the window but, like someone like oh one of the actresses put a try to put a glass down on a table and miss the table so a stagehand like out of out of side of the camera grabbed the glass where it hit the ground so you didn't hear it shatter <laughs> and yes. they said they're doing like one of the kind of dolly takes and moving the camera along the track i guess and one of the cameramen got his foot like broken run over they oh, no. so they gagged they gagged covered his mouth they gagged him and drug him away from the set they dragged him out and kept oh, no. 
it's like, like Disneyland. You can't die in Disneyland. They'll take right. you out of the park. <laughs> yeah, they're all like, shut up, shut up. We're still shooting. Like, I just imagine this poor guy, like, in horrible pain or dragging oh. him out. He's like being gagged. Like, so it's a very intriguing movie. I'm glad I finally saw it. I'm actually very, like, Hitchcock deficient. I have not seen, I have not seen a lot of Hitchcock movies. I've seen Psycho, North by Northwest, Rope. Um, I have seen more than that. I, I not, but not many beyond that. I, I haven't seen like Strangers on a Train. Um, no, or Strangers on the Train's great. I've seen Rear Window. I've seen Rear Window. I love Rear Window. Um, yeah, oh, Rear Window is just the best. Yeah, I, there's a bunch that I have not seen. So I'm kind of like, I need to catch up with some Hitchcock because I'm still way behind on seeing his oh, stuff. To be fair, he made a lot of movies. That's true. Um, the man had a career. Yeah, the man had a career from the mid twenties or even early twenties to 1976 with family plot i mean <laughs> i was looking at it's like oh i might watch some you know hitchcock's british movies and you've got this whole kind of host and then you've got a silent stuff so no being hitchcock deficient is just like well the man made 100 movies so it's <laughs> um and i don't think i'm exaggerating with that number that much um so it's yeah there's there's a lot of hitchcock to get through i mean yes he has like his core like 20 which is still quite a few movies so um yeah, I've I've dabbled in a bit of in and out of it, but there's still like quite a bit of Hitchcock I haven't seen. I mean, there's there's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. So um, and I think kind of a nice segue out of that into that we were talking about down because very Hitchcock one location, <laughs> mostly yes. one location, uh not one take bound, but like you know, a crime movie in one location and just kind very of fluid, yeah, very, very fluid, fluid though. tense. Uh so yeah, bound. So I, I will ask you first, like. I'm very new to Bound, as I said up top. Uh, how did you see Bound like a long time ago? Are you fairly newer to this movie? When did you, when did you first see it? Newer to this movie. I only saw okay. it last year. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I think it was last. I think so. I can't remember. It was either this year or last year. It's, time I, time is it, a blur. <laughs> time is a blur. Um, I know it was, I knew, I know definitely was for, for COVID. Um, it was during COVID. Sometimes. So who knows? Um. But it's a movie I've always I've always heard about. I've never seen, and um, there's still a lot of Wachowski I haven't seen. Like I haven't seen Cloud Atlas. I haven't seen um, quite a few of their other movies. And I know I had just seen Jupiter. Is it Jupiter Rising? Jupiter. Well, close. Jupiter Ascending. Basically. Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> there's a Jupiter, and there are bees. Um, yeah. oh. And I kind of fell in love <laughs> with that movie because I know everyone kind of shits on it, but I'm just like going oh, this is a movie where only Eddie Redmayne knows what he's in. Um, this is a beautiful, over-the-top, it's not even a mess. I think it's absolutely exactly how, I don't even think it's not a mess. It's not even a mess. It's a overdramatic melodrama space opera and it looks gorgeous. And I was kind of just on this kind of thing. So I thought, no, yeah, I want to watch Bound and I have got the chance to talk about it with also Rosalie Lewis, who you've just had on um, thing. And it was just a I think it's actually my favorite Wachowski and that's saying a lot because these guys made the matrix um but and speed racer which again I oh my god um but <laughs> I think something about the intimacy because the Wachowskis love making big movies and this was such an intimate small yeah it's only really set in a couple of rooms um like different different apartments I think only like twice you're outside like three times um and just the performances between Gina Gershon, uh, Jennifer Tilly, and uh, Joey Pants, uh, sorry, uh, Pen I'm just gonna call him Joey Pants, um, is so 
incredible and amazing. It's these three actors who kind of just get to gnaw on the script and everyone is just working together in this thing. And the way they kind of connect the apartments between thin walls, which is a part of the plot, you're going through tubes. The fact that it is about this um, uh, lesbian, um, two women, a lesbian woman or queer woman who are just know exactly who they are and just kind of fall in love during this movie. And the fact that it's all about pipe, the pipes play such a big role in this movie as well. I, I love this movie is so intimate and just is so perfect. Um, this perfect little gem that you can just kind of, it's not, Yes, I know the Wachowskis do expensive and they do it well, but something about Bound and doing everything they do in those big movies, but in those apartments is just, I, I, I really do love this movie. I was just watching it a few days ago, just marveling at every single little bit of this movie. I mean, every single time Caesar speaks, I was just giggling my head off. It's just, it's fucking dark in here. Um, <laughs> yes, I understand. I don't, something about his line readings and just Jennifer Tilly's performance is just, that woman should have won the Oscar. I was trying to, I think it was actually um, another really good actor who won the Best Supporting, but I hadn't seen that movie. Um, Mia Savio uh, won for, I want to say it was her, um, but Tilly is just incredible in this movie. I mean, her facial expressions, everything. So yeah, I am a huge fan of this movie. It's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> nice. Also, I'm going <laughs> to, I feel bad now. I had, I feel so bad. I forgot you already did a shock and awe involving Bound. <laughs> I feel like such a jackass. No, <laughs> don't. Like, it's, hey, Lindsay, I get to come talk, on my show and talk about Bound again. <laughs> I get to talk about Bound again oh. and it's a completely different context. So we were talking about that in terms of a movie's <laughs> about trust and can okay. you trust this partner? This is all about everything else. So oh. please never feel bad about okay. doing that. Okay, I, this is a real moment, people, that I forgot that Lindsay's in a Bound <laughs> Like how I dare even... you not listen. How dare you don't listen to my show? No, I did. Um, That's the funny I... thing. But it's like COVID time, man. I like I COVID. Just... <laughs> like I couldn't even remember when I saw it. I was the last. I don't. I think it was uh, COVID was around. Um, <laughs> definitely COVID. Um, no, don't feel please feel bad because I love and I can talk about this movie. I can talk about this movie for days. So just. <laughs> okay. Oh my god! I just had to say that because that was so funny. I'm sitting here as you're saying that, and my my face is like dropping. Like, oh my god, Lindsay, did an episode on this, and I, I yeah. But I'm going back. Yeah, because I like April of this year. <laughs> but but the funny thing is that April this year feels like three years ago. <laughs> does it really does? Like, um, well, I I'm, like yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this again. Uh, was... Oh no, I as I said, I love this movie and the fact that I got to watch it again because I've seen it three times since I think it must have been April or even March. Yeah, I assume um, you would have you would have protested and said if you didn't want to do it, you'd be like, Matt, I did an episode on in, this in April. <laughs> like I'm. I'm, like, I'm no, I was like, I get to watch Bound again. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this this should be very different, hopefully, because um, I'd never seen it before. So I, I yeah, had started watching. I, it was on Amazon Prime, and like I pulled it up, um, and was like, oh, it's one of the few Wachowski movies I haven't seen because the only one I don't think I've seen is Speed Racer. Oh, you need to see Speed Racer. I know, I know. It seems right up my alley. Because uh, it seems it like really is. You wild. watch that and go, yes, that is that. Yeah, no, you candy you, you colored are going insanity to, and just everyone. They, I mean, this is a cast that wants to make a Speed Racer too, just because they all got along just so well and they're just all happy to be there. <laughs> That's, I, like, yeah, seems... we were doing Speed Racer too, and even though that would have been a bitch to film, they're just like, yeah, no, I'm here. Yeah. This is about it... this is a children's movie about corporate espionage. I'm like. <laughs> I love this movie. 
it seems fun. So, um, oh, it is. So yeah, really, I was yeah. like, I haven't made a see Bound forever. Like I don't even like because mm-hmm. you know it's the movie before the Matrix, so it's already even out before the Matrix, and I love the Matrix movie so much because I, I rewatched the sequels earlier this year because once that trailer came out for the new Matrix movie, I was like okay, I got to go watch the, the Matrix movies now because I was in such a, a mode for them. Like, I was like, I'm in. Like, I, I want to see that new movie so badly. Mm. Um, and this, I like the sequels much more now. But this movie is, it's amazing bound, like how fully formed they are as filmmakers from the first movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And I think Bound gets forgotten because they did make Matrix next. And that was just such a game changer movie right <laughs> for all the reasons but for so many many reasons and I was going to um try and watch Assassins which is a movie I know they wrote and Richard Donner directed with Sylvester Stallone and um oh I forgot it I'm blanking again hunkiest man in the world um <laughs> Antonio Banderas, Antonio Banderas yes yeah yeah <laughs> I, say hunk- I say hunkiest man I'm like oh, of course it's Antonio Banderas um it's <laughs> It's um, this kind of, and I really, but I got distracted with James Bond. And so I didn't get a chance to watch Assassins. Sorry, I apologize for my not doing my due diligence. Um, but I think Bound does get forgotten because these are the guy, these are the women who made The Matrix. And it's um, this kind of, and then when you watch it, I think people were taking it as a curiosity. It's like, oh, the movie that they made to then make The Matrix. Um, and it is so self-confident. They know exactly what they want to do. They're still, they're working with um, Bill Pope, is it? The cinematographer? Yes, Bill Pope, yep. Bill Pope, um, who would go on to have to try and figure out what the Wachowskis were talking about so they could make the, so could shoot the Matrix. Um, but you got the feeling that he's kind of starting already to feel the relationship. I mean, the way the camera moves and the way it's going through pipes and through walls and kind of just around, I mean, it's kind of amazing. And I, so I think people kind of see this movie as a curiosity, even though Jennifer Tilly was nominated for an Oscar, it was um, everyone's kind of giving these amazing performances and it got really good reviews, but I think it was more of a reviewer's movie and an kind of a curiosity at the time. Oh, look at this little noir. And then the Wachowskis went, oh, wait, you think you like this? Okay, we're going to show you what we can really do. And then the Matrix comes out and nothing's really the same since um so but I think it's more than a curiosity because I think they are so confident they already know what kind of movie they want to shoot and they go and shoot that movie um and so yeah I kind of like the idea of talking about it again because it's kind of a movie I kind of want to take out of Matrix Shadow because when you watch it they're fully formed they are the Wachowskis um and they already know what kind exactly what kind of movie they're going to make um and yeah, I, that that's why I think it's amazing because you're just watching it. Oh yeah, this is this is, this is definitely the woman who make the make the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's still clearly their style. Like I was Very I much, was kind yeah. of amazed how much of like Matrix touches I was seeing in Bound. Like there's a just some of these close ups on things. There's a close up of like a gun barrel that I was like, yes. oh, that looks straight out of Matrix. <laughs> uh, um, and just you know, it's. Oh, it's so funny because everything I was reading about it was like talking about how they were limited by their budget. Um, yeah. The budget was like under 5 million, I think it was like 4.5 million. Mm. And I feel like this is a good example of like when you don't have a large budget, you're kind of forced to be more creative, you know? <laughs> so it's like we're stuck in this basically one location. Basically, we're stuck in Jennifer mm. Tilly and um, Joe Pantolano's apartment. 
um, mm. for most of the movie. And it's but the way they shoot it and the way they move the camera and all these other things they can do that don't really require them to have a huge budget. And it makes it so interesting because it's like it's a it's a pretty like well not straightforward but it's it's a noir story you know it's like this simple noir story but the touches they put on it and the the actors that are so good it's like um like Jennifer Tilly I'm glad you brought her up because yeah Yeah. she's amazing like um everything she does in it it's just like oh because she's yeah it's incredible like it's so funny too like from the first moment go back to the game of the movie where her and gina gershon like lock eyes in the elevator it's like there is heat right there it's like there's From electricity the like palpable. <laughs> um i love the elevator scene because there's there's a way that she jennifer tilly acts where she's acting like because she's the finn patel she and I think it's um, even though the movie's from uh, Corky's uh, Gina Gershon's point of view, uh, I think it's actually Violet's story. I think it's about her emancipation, her kind of being able to find a way. Because I mean, the whole to be herself. Because um, she's kind of under the thumb. Well, she's not under the thumb. I don't think she's ever been fully under the thumb of of Caesar, even though Caesar likes to think she is, he yeah. is. Uh, um, it's kind of the story of her kind of becoming free. Um, and so when they sort of see each other, I'm always sort of wondering if Violet seeing Corky as a possible way out, or if she's just looking at her going as well as saying, ah, oh, she's hot. I, I want that. Um, <laughs> because the way she flirts with it is so amazing. She's way more breathy she's just um especially when uh corky goes over to get the earring out of the sink it's the fact that she's wearing lingerie (laughs) and just oh i dropped the earring oops um it's just she is pretty much as soon as she opens the door is flinging her boobs in her face and i love it so much and corky's just like going i i i know i shouldn't say yes to this but God damn it's it's Jennifer Tilly standing there in a nighty. Um it's it's so I mean with the her hands on the pipe and the look I'm just like oh, yes this is such a female movie. It's <laughs> um and yes I am a cis white woman straight who's actually talking about this so this is from a but and this is a queer relationship but it's I love it so much and her performance as soon as she finds out little pieces of information about Corky you can see her face just taking it in like she drinks beer she takes she was correct about the fact that she drinks her coffee black um she's making all these little guesses but you can see her face kind of taking in the information um of like oh this is this person yes so it's always I'm always watching it going okay so when does Violet fall for Corky what moment does she really go okay I'm actually think I'm in love with her instead of manipulating her a little bit um it's a fascinating performance to watch because it changes that point changes every single time I watch this movie um and it's yeah it's she's so good yeah it's funny Gina Gershon I knows what's going on like immediately (laughs) like but she's trying to (laughs) kind of resist i think like she's yeah. like this is, a, this is a bad idea i think she's like I should this get is mixed really up. bad idea yeah, you should live not with get mixed a, up yeah this this is all kinds of wrong i'm getting mixed up in something i really shouldn't be <laughs> but she never she keeps going and keeps going um so her she's kind of yeah the more open more honest even though she was the worked in the redistribution of wealth but um i don't know it's it's it, Violet is the more fascinating character just because you never quite exactly know where her motivations lie 
until the end. I think when she kind of calls Corky up again and realizes that even after all the shit that Caesar's been putting her through, Corky hasn't left the other apartment. She's still there with the money. Um, and that kind of goes, oh, she trusts me. Oh, I think this might actually be real. That was on my last watch. Um, but again, it could be when they first linked together. It could be when they're touching the walls um, after Caesar's kind of figured everything out. But it's, yeah, I love how Corky just keeps looking at going, this is going to be the heartache. This is going to get me killed, but I'm still going for it. Right. I mean, she finds out there's a mob connection too later on with the, with the money. And she's like, oh God, more, more oh bad God. decisions I shouldn't make. This uh, is all kinds of bad decisions. <laughs> so I was reading about the movie and like my favorite quote that I saw so far, because I think this is what makes the movie different and probably why people are still talking about it. Because, uh, okay, so Wachowski is trying to sell this script around town because um, they were writers up to that point. And, you know, yes. executives at studios were reading the script and saying, hey, if you change the character of Corky to that of a man, we'd be interested. But then the Wachowskis yes. would always say, well, that movie's been made a million times. We're not interested in that, which like, yes, good for them. Because yeah, they're, they're right. That movie is not as interesting as this. And I, that's the thing too, like I was reading about this and a lot of people were like, this movie is uh, amazing at being like sexual and even like explicit kind of in what it's doing, but it's not, it does not feel exploitative. Yes, which I mean, amazing. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I even remember when, because I was always a kid who watched the Oscars. So when Bound came up and it was being talked about, it was always the lesbian sex movie. Right. That's all I heard um, about for years. It was like yeah. the lesbian sex crime movie. And it was like, yeah. I think it almost got an NC 17. Um, actually, it did. And they think, of course it did, because two yeah. women were enjoying oh, yeah. the, having sex. The Wachowskis yeah. were like, oh, <laughs> homophobia right because you if it was yeah. a man and woman sex scene, you'd have no problem because they don't even show that much in the sex scene really i mean it's very no. intense and passionate but it's not like this i've seen more graphic sex scenes you know so yeah. but and they were like oh so clearly it's because it's two women the mpa is like gonna slap an nc-17 on it so um that was the movie for years it was like the lesbian sex movie because yes. people were scandalized in 96 about you know <laughs> two women two yeah. boobs touching and no man <laughs> It's just like, can't we be having that. Can't have that. No, no. So funny how far we've come and good that we've come so far with, um, uh, you know, like queer yeah. stories and movies because like it was such, that was the only thing I talked about. And it's like, no, it was a really good movie here that uh, is way more than, you know, just that story, which is it, it's important because it makes it different and special and they handle it really well. But um, yeah, it's all I'm going to talk about for years. All I knew about the movie was that. <laughs> so gotten so far from oh lesbian sex movie <laughs> um that love scene seems very intimate and the movie is much more about their relationship not the fact that they get into bed and are very naked right <laughs> true it, it doesn't <laughs> With each other yeah it's more about i think the the passion of them two getting together it's not like an exploitative scene and there was some behind the scenes stuff i thought was interesting about how they were all worried that the producer Dino De Laurentiis would take the movie like to Europe and like re-edit to make it to make more explicit sex scenes so they they did that like in one shot so that he yeah. couldn't play around and edit too much <laughs> so what to... were that Dino De Laurentiis would do something like that I'm shocked <laughs> that's what they all were like they knew they were like oh man they knew. it's, it's him Shit. <laughs> they were like let's give him nothing to edit with we'll just do the one take and he's got that's all he can use so um yeah, and it's funny yeah, because it's done. In, it is done on one beautiful, fluid take. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, absolutely gorgeous. It's really yeah. well done. And the funny thing, speaking of it for being famously as like the lesbian sex crime movie, um, I expected 
Corky and Violet to be together way more, but it's really way more like the Violet show for most of the movie where she's having to do all this stuff to get around uh, Caesar, you know, like. (laughs) It really is. It's kind of even, it's weirdly about uh, Violet's relationship with Corky and Violet's relationship with Caesar. Um, But you do, because you do spend a lot of time with Violet and Caesar and they're not so much together. That's why it kind of reminded me of where, uh, not where, Rare Window a little bit, because it's about these kind of two apartments um Corky's in one Violet's in the other even though uh Corky's there to renovate she's not living in it but it's kind of about these kind of two apartments very thin walls they can hear everything and Violet's kind of interaction between the two kind of ones but her relationship with Caesar is just as fascinating and just as intimate as it is with Corky but just in a very different way I mean Violet knows where all the bodies are buried literally because Caesar won't shut up about anything um just she's probably just like can I just not be here we torturing someone can I just you stop telling me about all the times that you shot someone's been shot I don't right. want to know any of this she doesn't want to know this um, stuff but he tells her so she knows everything <laughs> yeah she's he, he kind of makes her complicit so she can't leave almost um it's but he's great I mean you see him in the elevator and he's I mean the way he kind of assumes when he thinks Corky's a guy and he thinks there's been something going on between them oh, which there yeah. has but as soon as he finds out, it gets a, it's a woman. He's like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm not. Th- I'm, there's no threat here." And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, as much so much as you know." Um, <laughs> but his performance and just the way he says, "Oh, it's fucking dark in here." Every single line reading he does is hilarious. Um, so I think you think he's not going to be that big a threat, and when he does turn into one, that you're like, "Oh, he's actually." not smarter but more um uh what's the word i'm looking for he's more wily than you think oh, he's uh-huh. actually going to be at the beginning so when he goes when violet thinks he's going to run after the money's gone and he's like no i'm finding that money i need to i'm gonna sort this out she's like going, oh i may have underestimated him a little bit i think that's um where a lot of the tension comes in because you suddenly go oh he's not the he's not just the buffoon he's is there something else going on and you need to be cautious of that yeah no that's that's a good point um that i'm glad you brought up uh more (laughs) caesar and joe pantliano because i read some people criticizing and saying like oh well this movie a lot of things hinge on like dumb decisions or whatever but i I feel like casting Joe Pantoliano as a guy who loses his cool like immediately as perfect casting oh, because I yes. always think uh, he is like on the verge of a panic attack or <laughs> or a heart attack because he always seems so stressed. I'm thinking of him like as in the Bad Boys movies where he's yeah like, oh yes <laughs> chugging like Pepto Bismol and he's like constantly about to have a breakdown and he's like a great guy. He has this nervous energy where it's like yes he would be the guy that freaks out and loses his cool and all critical thought immediately you know like so i believe it completely when he like starts like just losing it and doing exactly kind of what corking about think he's gonna do like you know where he just starts freaking out and like not thinking clearly at all <laughs> it's like uh i totally believe that in him because he has that energy of like yeah he's gonna lose his shit and just kind of not think rationally at all for for one minute here <laughs> Yeah, and you have to remember, this is a neon noir movie, and noir movies are based on people making terrible decisions. Yes, yeah. everyone is making terrible decisions in this movie, and it's a kind of a fair criticism. It's like, why would they do that? And you're like, 
It's a noir. No one makes a good decision in a noir. That's <laughs> kind of what noirs are. Like you're looking at a situation going, that's not a good idea. And the person does it and you're like, you're going to end up hurt and they end up hurt. <laughs> um, this is not a kind of a genre where people, uh, you're, you're usually dealing with people who are not making wise decisions. I mean, Corky is not making good decisions. I mean, if you're looking at this objectively, she should not be anywhere near Violet. I mean, Violet is just getting her into all kinds of mess. She's Violet because Violet has made been made complicit by Caesar. She's now making Corky complicit as well. So she's kind of passing along this kind of very complicit kind of, I'm going to get you, pull you this into this mess because I'm in this mess. And Corky kind of is aware of this and she keeps going along with it because there's something about Violet she just can't say no to. Um, but this, but Violet, she she kind of does lose control of the situation a number of times because of Caesar going, I'm a wild animal now and I'm just going to make all sorts of crazy decisions like shoot the brother of the head of the mafia thing in my living room and right. <laughs> trying to have to deal with it later. And Christopher Maloney, who's, oh my God, him in this movie. He's pretty um, great in this movie. Yeah, he's got he's a real, really great. real he's, energy yeah, to him, yeah. <laughs> he, he does. He wears, he wears a red suit well. Um, <laughs> and the fact that he wears a red suit, I love. It's just like, yes, such an asshole. Um, <laughs> it's, so, so yeah, it's all about these people making very bad decisions. Um, and Violet trying to take control of these bad decisions and trying to make it work because she's constantly having to rechange her plan every 15 minutes once Susa, Caesar goes off the deep end. She's kind of like, oh, God, I have to figure out how to do this. I have to go along with this. I'm trying to negotiate with me in the bathroom, and John P. John P. Ryan is in the living room going, so where is everyone? Um, and it's kind of her trying to think on the fly because – the plan hasn't gone according to plan, um, which I I love. Um, and the fact that they do get away with it, again, because all these men are sexist and do not think these women are a threat. Um, <laughs> yeah. She can instantly just go, oh, Caesar made me do it. because she, And she's not lying. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did do a lot of shit. <laughs> Playing all these guys. And like she says, I, I think it's maybe multiple guys who were like oh, have a yeah. thing for her, you know, yes. so she can use that against them. And like they would believe that, he would come after her and she can can use that for her own protection for her own advantage and yeah it's a lot about kind of women <laughs> like using the perceptions that some men have against them you know like the weakness that they think these women have against them and kind of playing it off of them and them just you know underestimating them basically the whole time very much so but even corky underestimates violet i love the scene when Corky finds out that um, uh, Violet's also sleeping with Shelley um, and he's, she's also a, a sex worker. And so she does sleep with, have affairs with other, other men. And, um, and Corky kind of brings it up saying, oh, you're not a true lesbian. I mean, you sleep with men, you're doing all this sort of stuff. You're just a girl who wants to be a, a tourist essentially. And the line she gives of, I know what I am. Shelley knows what I am. You didn't, that, that wasn't sex, that was work. Um, you make certain choices and then they become easy because you're good at them. And that line reading of her little monologue is gives you such an idea into who Violet is that um, she knows perfectly comfortably who she is, um, what she likes, who, who she is and fits into this world. But she knows she doesn't fit into this world, especially in terms of the, of, um, the mafia or the business or whatever they call it in this one. It's just this amazing, and she kind of puts Corky in her place a little bit saying, 
you don't know me, you don't know my experiences and my sexuality is not as simple as yours. So you kind of need to get off my back about it and start trying to put me in this box because all I've been through in my life is putting me, people putting me in boxes and assuming I'm this one thing. And the way she plays on that constantly is absolutely amazing. It's, she's acting so many different roles in this movie. That, it's, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, you just like, oh man, I mean, you are so good in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she seems like a, like she could play a great, just straight up femme fatale, like, um, yeah. but also like, I feel like that her voice is kind of iconic. Jennifer Tilly's voice is like this kind of like, she's like Betty Boop if she came to life, you know, she's like this. Like, she is, especially this, in the scene in the kitchen. She's totally Betty Boop. Baby doll voice, like <laughs> yes. very easy for people to underestimate her. But I feel like there's a lot more going on with her character underneath the surface. And she uses yes. that. I, I don't think she's at all happy having to sleep with these guys and do all this stuff and even be with Caesar, really. It's like she's kind no, of yeah. she's kind of stuck there. Obviously, because of the mob thing, she really can't just like easily walk away. And I think she yeah. sees the money and Gina Gershon Corky as her way out. And mm. um to jump, I guess jump ahead of the ending a little bit. Uh we yeah, spoilers, everybody, but um when I did not expect them to actually end up together. I thought Violet was going to pull one last twist on Corky and screw her over too. Me too, um, yeah. So I was kind of happy that they actually ended up together because I didn't expect that. And I was like, oh, that really paid off. And they actually, yeah, they would get to ride off in the sunset together, basically. Yeah, and, the when, and when Corky says, what's the difference between you and me? And Violet goes, what? And they go, absolutely nothing. It's great two people who are just great last line. And it's two people who are just now comfortable with each other like they're all suddenly tr always trying to feel each other out seeing what actually is going on and then that one moment they're like we're fine we're good we're going to run off into the sunset and it's um yeah it is such a good movie and I love the fact that it is this movie is about their relationship and if I think if you had a guy playing Corky I Violet still would have been Violet but you wouldn't have it that amazing dynamic of this woman who is kind of trapped in this box. She's assumed she has to be one thing, which is this Betty Boop kind of typical uh, mole on the shoulder of a gangster um, kind of character. And she's not that. She's all these many different facets. And I, I kind of read it as her sexuality being a lot more fluid than Corky's. That's how I've always just read mm -hmm. it. I mean, I know she says sex with men is work and she probably doesn't enjoy it, but I, that kind of conversation she has with, Corky kind of, um, she knows what she has to do. She kind of understands the game she's in. Um, but I've always read Violet as a little bit more fluid than Corky. But that's just my reading of it. Um, and that's me kind of reading more and watching more things about sexuality and kind of trying to understand how other people think. And it's not just one or one thing. It can be multiple things. So that's just my reading of it. And that's probably more of a 2000... Uh, 21 reading of it but I love that I kind of read Violet as a little bit more fluid she's she knows but she's very comfortable in what that is and I love the fact that she falls in love with Corky I think that it, the the one will screw over I think it would make me sad because it's just like yeah I would still love Violet but I'm like oh no I like those two, those two end up together it's like a sweet love it's just a really great love story <laughs> yeah yeah I, I agree it's like uh I didn't want her to screw her over, which I realized because I liked both of them and wanted them to get away with it together. And uh, mm. I think just my idea of kind of how noirs usually work, you know, yes. I kind of felt like- You're expecting it. <laughs> you're expecting it, yeah. And that to me, that makes it feel definitely less of like 
any kind of exploitative choice be like, I don't think the Wachowskis were trying to be scandalous with like, oh, let's make them lesbians. I think, I think that they care about the characters and wanted them to end up together. So it's not like an exploitative, like we just use this as a device, you know, it's like to, to make it different. Like we want these characters to, to be together and get away with this is how I read it. I don't, you know, so. No, it's like The Handmaiden. Have you ever seen The Handmaiden? Um, ah, I feel, I started to watch The Handmaiden and I somehow got distracted, never finished it. I feel terrible. I got like 20 minutes in and was like, got tired or something and never went back to it. I mean, yeah, I think that movie does take the sexuality of the two women to a little bit of an exploitive thing. Cause they had, I mean, there's a scene where you get the POV of a vagina. Um, but <laughs> I think I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're just like, okay. Um, but it does have that same feeling of these two women who are completely being boxed in. They find each other and now they can find a way to be free and together and to live kind of their best, kind of their best version of their life. And I think the movie, even though I think The Handmaiden is a little being a little bit more exploitative um, in terms of two women having sex, I don't see that in Bound at all. Um, I just see two people who are coming together and the fact that this movie is as intimate as it is i mean yes i mean i can see the wachowski's going i wish we had a bigger budget to make this but they realize they can just narrow it in make it intimate and it kind of suits the um suits the the nature of their relationship i mean those two apartments and the fact you have these really thin walls the fact that all the pipes are kind of connected is kind of this amazing representation of um corky and violet and like one is the pristine kind of really nice apartment. The other apartment is rough and ready. I mean, it's being renovated. You know, you've got like cleaning the, the painting the walls, all that kind of thing. Um, and it's kind of everything about this movie lends to the fact that these two are in love and these two kind of will belong together or not belong together forever, but in that moment they are together. And the fact that when there's a moment when they're both touching the walls, like on each side, I just love that moment so much. And um an expensive movie wouldn't have worked because it maybe would have felt a little bit more exploitative um but everything is so intimate and small and and together you just want these two characters together and I think if Violet had done the the whole last uh, the the last con I would have been like oh poor Corky she really yeah. loved her <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would have felt too uh, yeah. did you read about that originally Jennifer Tilly was going to play Corky Yes, that would have been a mistake. Yes, I okay, yeah. I, listen, I think they're both great actresses. I think they're actually underrated, both Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly. Yes. Um, but I don't, I can't see that. I can't, maybe I've seen the movie twice now. I can't imagine the dynamic being flipped. Um, and they couldn't either. I mean, the uh, Gina Gershon came in and, because they had someone from Violet, I don't know who it was, she dropped out. And then Gina Gershon came in and they, I guess, talked and everyone agreed like, oh, we should flip these roles. Like, um, Jennifer Tilly, you should be Violet and Jeannie Gershon, you should be Corky. And that mm. dynamic, I think, works perfectly. I couldn't imagine it the other way. Like, I mean, yeah, it's just, I it'd be so strange. Yeah, <laughs> I can't either um, because they're playing with very specific stereotypes of how you see uh, a lesbian, um, very specifically in right. the 90s. Yeah. Like, you have the more butch one and you have the more feminine one. And that's always kind of this weird um stereotype of what you have especially in the in the 90s which this is set and it but it flips them both like you do get this kind of inner kind of life of of corky and this very specific inner life of of violet and it's um yeah i can't but i can't imagine them playing each other i know this was really hard to get cast because everyone turned it down because they were just like i'm not playing the lesbian um which i'm like yeah, oh I, I read that guys, too. come on it's um, yeah <laughs> yeah the, uh, um <laughs> different time it was like different. 
yeah oh the 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 90s i love you but yet i have my last night in soho with you all the time um it's (laughs) but at the same time yeah i can't imagine i mean gina gershon is a really underrated actor i love her i mean if you've ever seen her killer joe or even um showgirls or just anything she's in she's freaking good same with jennifer tilly um but i can't imagine and just i just can't see it i'm like no jennifer tilly is violet Jenna Gershon is corky. That's the way it's meant to be. I can't see them flipping it. It just feels wrong in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. Um, and yeah, I mean, this movie, it's so funny. It would say on your when it's on your radar for so long, and then you actually watch it, and it like over delivers. It's it's kind of an amazing. It experience. does. <laughs> it's like you're like, oh, I finally watched this thing. It's been you know my radar for like twenty some years, and it's like, oh, this is really great. What was you know? And also, I was like, I should watch more noir. Um. I'm, I've been slacking on my noir vember, honestly. <laughs> so me too. I get a I get I got burnt out in October with horror and the whole idea of going straight into watching noir. I'm just like, oh, I don't think I can do it. I need I need a musical. I need something <laughs> not because noir and horror aren't exactly that far away from each other in a lot of ways. I mean, I wouldn't even count Bound as any kind of um, horror movie, but just the um, totality of both genres. I'm just like. Oh, just give give me give me singing in the rain first. I just need something. <laughs> That's <laughs> give, uh, give me a Disney movie. I need something just something to, light. <laughs> something light before I go into into noir. But um, <laughs> that uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny. Yeah, I mean, just to bring that up, like uh, coming out of October because I wasn't in much of a horror mood for most of this year, and I started yeah. to get back into it like late September ish, and I was like, okay, I think I'm back. And then I pretty much did all horror November or October. A um, mm. couple new releases like James Bond came out. So, but I sprinkled in some other stuff. But again, I came out of October like, and I don't mean this at all, but I had the feeling of like, I don't want to watch any horror for like a long, long time. <laughs> it just, I was like, I'm good for a long time on horror because um, I just felt so burned out. I don't know what it was. I think I went way overboard but um I did as well because I didn't watch that much horror and then all of a sudden I'm like I get to watch horror I'm watching all the horror and then uh, by October 31st I ended up watching Halloween Kills which was not the best decision watching it after being burnt out on horror and um (laughs) um though I kind of like that movie a little bit more than other people but not as much as people as Mark Warner but I don't think anyone else could love that movie as much as Mark um I think me and Hayden also made the case we're pretty big fans too so uh it's yeah I I understand I mean at least you're kind of more like in the middle I guess people really hate it so yeah yeah. I don't really hate it I wish it would pick a lane I think it's like if you're gonna not acknowledge the confounding confusing canon or you have to acknowledge it. You can't have it. That's my thing with it. Um, and a few other things, but that's my main issue. I'm just like, just, you have to pick a lane. You can't have it both ways. And that movie tries to have it <laughs> three ways till Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But other than that, um, I love the fact there's a mob and they don't know what they're doing. I think that says a lot about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. As soon as they go up to Michael, they die. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Oh, so, anyway, I mean- getting back to, Sorry, oh, getting sorry, back you're to fine. You're, it's uh, because <laughs> I was just thinking, are there are there noirs? Because I'm not much of a noir expert mm. at all, and I think you maybe more know more, way more than I do. Are there any noirs that if I liked Bound, I should go back and watch some older noir that's somewhat similar to this? Any recommendations for me? Um, yeah, I would actually recommend a movie called um, if you like this, Live by Night, because it is uh, it is a, uh, more of a love story. Oh, that's Again, so funny. I asked 
Rosalie Lewis, and I can't remember if we were talking about Bound or True Romance, or maybe both, and she she recommended they live by night too. So yeah, that's yeah, I think because you tend to like your love story noirs. So um and that one is um Farley Granger is great in it. I can't remember the other actor's name in it, but um she's um great. Um and it's yeah, it is absolutely kind of this amazing um, thing because it's about this couple who are kind of on the run and they're just trying to live their life while being chased by every single authority um, that you can think of. Um, I would also watch uh, Gilda, okay. which is Rita Hayworth. Um, just a really great Femme Fatale um, uh, movie. Um, that one is really great. Again, it's got Glenn Ford being at his most grumpiest. I love the fact that every single time he's in a movie, he acts like he doesn't want to be there. Um, and you did watch The Big Heat, didn't you? I did. Daniel had me watch that one earlier this year for an episode. Yes. And I really liked yes. it, yeah. That, that kind of um, thing. So those are the ones I would definitely um, go for. Oh, actually, Laura, if you, yeah, if, especially if you like, um bound i would definitely check out um laura that is otto primager with uh gene taran and and um dana andrews and vincent price um oh, okay. <laughs> and i love the fact that every single time gene terry's in a gene tierney is in a noir she's kind of engaged to like vincent price and they're the couple that just never ends up together and i'm like i want to see a movie where those two actually work it out it'd be nice um <laughs> but yeah those are kind of the um ones i really really like it's and also a little bit more Hitchcock's I think um Bound is really riffing on Hitchcock a lot oh yeah um yeah. especially <laughs> with kind of the games at playing and also yeah so if you just want to watch some like The Man Who Knew Too Much or Saboteur or any of those kind of kind of classic um Hitchcock's I think you'll like those as well so those those would be would be my picks okay cool, cool. and Strangers on a Train again oh yeah if you haven't guessed by now I'm kind of a Granger guy <laughs> so um <laughs> I've heard great things about that. That one actually is probably the one I'm like most excited to check out that I haven't seen because I've always yeah. heard great things about it. And um, I just, yeah, it, that one's kind of pretty high on my list of things to check out from Hitchcock specifically. So, um, and I, it's, I hate it's, the, Oh, go yeah, ahead. It's a, it, it's a great movie where you realize if you have a conversation and you realize the other guy took it way felt for than you wanted to. <laughs> it's like, whoa, buddy. I wasn't talking whoa, about murder. Calm down. I was just yeah. talking. What's going I was on? I just talking. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to kill anybody. Um, so and I hate that we have to kind of wrap so quickly, but I know I, I told you. I know you have, started. you have plans tonight with your lovely. Yes. I double booked myself. Uh, it's like, it's like, I thought I, I, had a, thought I had free, free time and yeah. Um, but I, before we wrap up two things, I definitely want to mention. Um, maybe it's one thing. I, the thing I love about bound uh, besides all the things we talked about um, is that the Wachowskis keep stacking up. Most movies that have like one or one of these like really tense scenes. I love how they keep stacking these really tense scenes on top of each other. The one with the cops, when the cops come into the oh building my after God. the gunshots. And it's Can like- I use the bathroom? <laughs> you keep thinking they're going to find something because it's like, yeah, it's like the guy, he's about to get him out of there. They're playing him really well. They've told him he's deaf in one ear, which I was like, yeah. oh, that sounds familiar. And I was like, yeah. but I don't blast the TV. I'm deaf in one ear. I don't, I don't blast the TV. But uh, they send, they, he's like, can I go to the bathroom? You're like, oh shit, the body's in the bathroom. They push that lamp in front of like where that bullet hole was. It looks really awkward because there's like pictures yes. and then a lamp. And the cop stops for a minute right in front of it and then asks a question about something. If it's a condo or something. Yes. And they, they keep playing this game where you think they're about to get caught. And uh, and then there's a scene when uh, the other mobsters come over after 
the first wave of mobsters to be killed in the apartment. Yes. And, and how many mobsters will die? How many mobsters? <laughs> um, and that scene's so tense because they're about to bring the brink getting caught again. Um, yes, because he has to make up the story with a thing with the uh, hospital, and then Violet's on the phone to Caesar, going, "Look, asshole, I could just walk in there and ruin everything. So right. you need to make a, a decision." <laughs> which he reneges on, and the fact that he's got um, the amount of time Joey Pants Pantolino is in a towel in this movie is amazing. Um, the man he has to keep having a shower or pretend he has a shower, um, but he's got the gun wrapped up in the towel. It's yeah. yeah, it's just these little amazing moments where it just keeps upping the tension when he, you think he's going to chop, um, is it Violet's fingers? Um, when he's threatening, yeah, because he wants to know where yeah, the money is Yeah, he's threatening Corky. Corky by cutting Violet's fingers off, right? Yeah. 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 And she tells him and she goes, you can't kill me. And he's like, why? Because I could be lying. And it's, again, <laughs> it's that upping the ante because you don't officially, you don't exactly know where she's hid the money. Um, no, it's it's so... Yeah. yeah this that last bit of that movie moves so quickly because it's just tense moment after tense moment after tense moment yeah they keep throwing these things at you i um and i love the visual of when she kills when uh jennifer tilly kills joe pantliano and he falls into the white paint it just like yes it looks such so a good. good image yeah such a good <laughs> image such red. a good image it's um, so good. like when you have no money just make cool images with you know what i mean it's like yes. um, white paint and a bit of and some red corn syrup however you make blood yeah <laughs> yeah so the way she I mean, says, oh i know yeah i know you violet you don't know me at all <laughs> bang <laughs> oh so good um so yeah this is one of my favorite new things i've seen this whole year so i i love this movie so i'm glad we got talking thank you for talking about it with me again after you already did an episode <laughs> oh no bound is an amazing movie and i think it might the yeah as i said before i think it might be one of my favorite chowskis um which is saying a lot i realize yes. i realize yeah. that yeah, I don't um, think anyone's top the Matrix for me because it's a top five like all timer. So it's hard to beat that in in any respect. So, uh, but this is really good, and I love how I could see their style already coming into play in their first movie. You know, so no, they're like um, they're like the Coen Brothers. They like, oh, yeah. we know what kind of movie movie makers we are. I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, or I was gonna say uh, about forgetting you did an episode on Bound. In my defense, I forget episodes I've done on this show where I'm like, oh yeah, we did an episode on Blop, you know, whatever, like six months ago. <laughs> so no, thank you again, Lindsay. That was yeah, that's fine. I mean, you you do these shows and you sort of forget what movies you done. Even when you ask me, I'm like, yeah, I will watch Bound, and then about two days later, I'm like, wait, didn't I do an episode on that? <laughs> okay, I feel better now that you were like, wait, did an episode. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was talking oh. with Rosalie. That's that's why. Because you you sort of I think Rosalie was mentioning, oh, I've been on film face. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Wait, I did a show with you as well. <laughs> Sorry, oh. Rosalie, I will try and get you back on Schlock and all. I didn't forget you because that because it was in a lonely place with again another Noah you should watch actually. Okay. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. I've heard good things about that one too. I might oh even my oh, god. I may have blind brought that criteria and I have to go look. I feel like No, you need to. Gloria Graham is so if you think she's good in Big Hate, wait till you see her in um in a lonely place and that line of I, I was born when I met her I lived while she loved me I died a little when she I can't remember the exact line reading but it takes it feels like such a romantic line but the way Bogart's reading it is so goddamn creepy it is oh my god okay watch in a lonely place please. <laughs> okay okay you will you will love that movie <laughs> good recommendations um yeah so anything else you want to say before we wrap up on Unbound or are you no, good? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good. I could probably talk about it for another hour. I would probably wanted to ask you, is this movie set in Chicago or is this Joey Pants doing a weird Chicago accent? Or I is think that it is set in Chicago because the Chicago police 
they oh, have yes. a very distinct yeah. uniform like they yeah like a pattern and uh someone brought up his chicago accent um because it i don't i i, I will have to get speaking to rosalie and the people who live in chicago oh, is right. that an authentic one or is that just whatever joey pants <laughs> is, is doing because i love it <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe I didn't call him Joey Pants this whole time, too. I should have just called him calling him his full name. I mean, like everyone calls him Joey Pantolino. Pants. That's probably more respectful. That's more respectful yeah. <laughs> but, um, to, to the great Joey Pants. But um, the fact that he got a role like this where he, because he's usually a side character, even in Matrix, even though I love him in Matrix. He's so good. You know, Such a ignorant, bastard in that movie. Ignorance is bliss is like such oh. a the man knows how to steal a scene every single time he's in yep. it and he does this with bound multiple times when you know, i'm like i should be i want to concentrate on violet and corky i love them and then joey pants comes in and does something and i'm like god damn you um but yeah that's all i wanted to say <laughs> he his, does. his chicago his chicago accent feels on point but i don't know if it is correct or not <laughs> <laughs> yes i'd have to ask somebody else because i'm no expert on that i always think of chicago accents as like the guys on like Saturday Night Live who did like the Chicago Bear super fans. And it was like, Ooh. I think very exaggerated Chicago accent. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's how I see uh, Chicago accents as well. And don't, it just, he just seems to accent certain words. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's no one else is doing it in the movie. <laughs> except him, And I love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, I can't think of anything else to say. So I will let you go ahead and, and plug all, all your stuff that you want to plug. So. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, please. Uh, shock and awe. If you want to listen to it on all the platforms, I'm pretty sure. Um, if you want to follow uh, me on Twitter and, and Instagram, it's schlockenall1. Um, and you can also find me, my personal one, which is very similar to schlockenall, actually, um, on Reading Geek. So it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone should follow you. I think you're a fun yeah. person to follow. So, And they should go back and listen to your episode on Bound and uh, in a Lonely Place. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I guess a lot about I guess a lot about Jennifer Tilly and Gloria Graham as well in that episode, and with the um, amazing uh, Rosa, Rosalie Lewis, who is like a noir encyclopedia. Yes. Um, oh my God. Yeah. She's 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 um, amazing. So um, also please listen to Blu-ray Boutique and anytime she goes on if um, on if this movie because she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with all those things. Um, so, okay, well, this was fun. I'm sorry I had to cut it so short, but I did have a lot oh. of fun talking to you. So No, you've got things to do. I mean, as you said, um, so yeah, I'm completely aware of that. It's just, I'm sorry about my uh, Google Play deciding to start Disney <laughs> Snow Tunes in the middle of this. <laughs> no, that's fine. This is, listen, this is podcasting. It's unplanned, unscripted. I didn't know you did found. You're, you got Disney music playing. It's, it's just like... it's, Which it actually is not that uncommon in this house, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish I could say my taste in music was a little bit more like my partner's, which is a little bit more, you know, decent mine is like you gammon and you're gonna be listening to such show tunes it's it's pretty <laughs> <laughs> oh well yeah this thank you so much for doing this um and uh we'll have to talk again sometime soon about something who knows i might pitch yes. it a double to you um oh please yeah definitely <laughs> so um yeah all right well everybody uh you can follow uh me on twitter at maplet 87 you can follow the podcast on twitter at film feast pod and you can follow me and the podcast on instagram at film feast all one word and we will talk to y'all next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye.